Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoy this episode. Well, good morning, South Hills. I'm all tangled up over here. Uh, I think I'm going to make it okay. Uh, Good morning, South Hills. My name is Chris Kretzu. I am the campus pastor here at South Hills Costa Mesa. And uh, thank you guys uh, for joining us online. I know there's a bunch of you out there hanging out on the Facebook page as well as the the church uh, online uh, site. Uh, Thank you guys for being here in person. Uh, I think all of us had questions about what today would look like, uh, if there would be rain, if there would be sun, if it would be cold or warm, and it's a little bit of all of it. Uh, It's dry, and there's a lot of sun, and it's a little bit chilly, but uh, it's good to be here. Thank you guys for being here in person. Uh, I do want to remind you guys uh, just one thing real quick before I begin is that um, today after service, right after service, we're doing coffee with Chris, and so if you're looking for a chance uh, to connect with me, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, even if you guys are online, you can come out. We're going to do it right here on the campus. It's going to be about 30 minutes. We'd love to be able to talk, uh, connect. I'd love to get to know you and have you be able to answer or ask, rather, any questions of me uh, that you may have in your mind. So I'd love to be able to do that for you guys. Uh, That's happening today, right after first service at 10, so kind of between the 10, um, that first and second service slot. Uh, Anyways, that being said, um, New Year's Eve uh, of 2020, we... uh, you know, we've got a five-year-old and a nine-year-old, and we're trying to get better at the the planning and the intentionality at which we go into New Year's Eve. Uh, if you guys are parents, you may understand what that's like uh, to, to have kids and then just try and keep them up until midnight with no game plan. Uh, it's not the smartest thing in the world, and so we're trying to do better. And, and so this year, we had all kinds of different like little miniature games and, and snacks, and we're going to watch this show at this time and the whole thing. And, uh, and obviously, my nine-year-old, I mean, he'll stay up all night long. He'll pull all-nighters, no problem at all. He only goes to bed when you force him to lay down, uh, and then he immediately just passes out. But our five-year-old is very much still in that stage where he can only make it so long before he just kind of goes unconscious. And so New Year's Eve, um, we could see that he was struggling to stay up. He was so tired and trying to fight it off. And, and, and uh, he was like cuddly and his eyes were getting heavy. And you kind of have that idea. It's like this invisible weight, like pulling down at his eyelids, just like his head was nodding and he would like wake up and get really crazy for a second. And then try, you know, just over and over again. And he makes it past like 930 and then he makes it past 1030. And, and it was literally like 1145 and he just passed out. Uh, It was this battle that he was waging against not wanting to fall asleep, not wanting to admit that he was tired, not wanting to admit that he needed rest, uh, not wanting to miss out on anything that was happening. Um, And I think that so many of us have that same experience. Literally, some of you could not stay up until midnight this year for New Year's Eve. So some of us literally had that same experience. But I think that we all struggle with this need, this desire, this drive to, uh, to not want to rest, not want to miss out, not want to, uh, to miss anything that's happening. This, this desire or this drive to continue moving, to, to work hard, to, to not take time off, um, 
and the challenge is that we are wired in a way that we need to be able to take rest. Our bodies, our minds, we are created in a way that we require rest. We require sleep. We require breaks. But we're kind of in this culture that is obsessed with side hustles and no days off and just as 24-7. And I've heard some people say, and it's just like the most silly thing, but they're like, yeah, man, 25-8. It's like, no, that, that's not that is not how that works. Like, that's not possible, you know? Uh, but we're, we kind of are this culture, this world that is obsessed with continuing to go and to move and to, and to keep pushing forward. And, and I've talked about this before. There's been times for me and maybe even for some of you that if you had a weekend where you didn't do anything, like, you almost felt guilty about that. Like, I didn't do anything. Like, I'm sorry. Like, there's this weird kind of sense we should always be moving and acting and doing stuff. So a lot of us live with this constant kind of sense of fatigue or overwhelm, something we've just accepted as normal. Like, yeah, I'm just tired. Like, life is hard. We're always moving. It's a million miles an hour. There's way more things every week than I can ever do. And so I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired out. For most of us, our lives are overbooked, overfilled, and overscheduled. Even during quarantine, uh, I don't know if you guys remember when this whole thing started, everybody decided that we should all take this time to learn new habits. Uh, There was this immediate sense of like, okay, we've got all this time now, so let's do it. Let's make the most out of it. Let's fill it up. Let's learn how to make sourdough bread. Let's keep feeding the starter. Let's learn how to crochet. (laughs) Let's whatever it is. Uh, We had people a few weeks in, everybody started figuring out Zoom and FaceTime and House Party and all these different apps. and, And we would literally, we would have more things scheduled online than we ever did in person. We had people who were like, okay, I know you can be there. You're just at home anyways. It's like, no, I literally have been invited to three other Zoom parties. Uh, we're going to have to find another time. We, we overfill and overschedule our, our lives so much. We are so busy. Corey Ten Boom, who's a, a missionary and, and pastor and writer, she said this. She said, if the devil can't make us bad, he will make us busy. And I think that busyness has always been challenging for us, but in a, in a new way over the last year, we've kind of experienced this shift in in boundaries and and time uh, segments in our lives because many of us are working from home. Uh, A lot of kids are distance learning. It's more difficult than ever to draw these boundaries in regards to how we spend our time. Uh, One of the things that we used to hate the most was the commute. But that commute for many people was the only thing that actually separated work from home time on from time off. And now you get up from your desk and you turn around and you're at your refrigerator. Like there's just like a whole different reality of our brains don't have this, 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 uh, idea of I'm in a different space now mentally. I'm doing things differently now. It's not just in our jobs. It's not just in work. It's the way that we show up in our time off also. Would you believe me if I said that as Americans, we actually have more time off, more leisure time than our parents and our grandparents ever did. Of course not. 
You probably all think that I'm crazy, but it's actually true. It's totally true. Uh, and, and the reality for us is that we feel like we have less time off. We feel like we have less time to relax, less time to rest than ever before. And I have found myself thinking this way, and maybe you have too, of like, man, I just wish it was like it used to be. You remember like back in the olden days when people would just sit on a porch and drink tea and kids would just entertain themselves? Like there's this kind of sense of like this idea of what things used to be like. In week one, we talked about how a lot of times this ideal of what used to be isn't actually that accurate. But secondly, I think there's a very real piece of this, that it was a simpler time because we weren't as scattered mentally and emotionally. At this point, I'm sure I've probably stressed you all out talking about it. That's like when you talk about like what you're going to have for lunch during church, and then you can't stop thinking about lunch, and now you like can't stop thinking about all the work that you should be doing. There's got to be a different way. There's got to be a better way, and there is, and this is what we're going to talk about today. God, before he ever told us what to do, God modeled for us how we should be. It wasn't something he came up with after sin came into the world. It wasn't something that God did after we broke things. This was the way God intended us to live from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. So Genesis 1, in, in the very beginning of the book of Genesis, it, it goes through the days of the week and what God created. He created the heavens and the earth and the, and the sun and the moon and the stars and the fish and the birds and all these different things. And then on day six, God created man. Uh, and God said that man was very good. It wasn't good that we were alone. He created woman. Uh, and then all of this happens. And then so in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, it says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. Uh, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. That, that idea of making it holy means it's, it's set apart and it's different than the other days. When you make something holy or, or some versions say sanctified it, it's this idea that this day is meant to be different than other days. This way of living is meant to be different. This, this approach is meant to be different. So it says God blessed it and made it holy because on it he rested from all of the work and the creating that he had done. God creates, and then he recognizes that it's good, and he delights in it, and he creates, and he recognizes it. And then after he's done creating, he takes this rest and just observes and experiences and delights in his creation. God demonstrates the rhythms of work and rest. And on the seventh day, it says that he rested. That word that we have is rested. It shows up in, in the original Hebrew word is the word Shabbat, which is where we get the word Sabbath from. Sabbath means to cease or to rest. And so you may be uncomfortable with the idea of Sabbath. Uh, that may be a word that you're unfamiliar with or not used to using. And so just when I say Sabbath, I'm going to continue saying cease and rest. Uh, this is all kind of meaning the same thing. Sabbath is actually a verb. It's an action. It's something you do. Like you would say, let's go shop or let's eat or let's Sabbath. Let's cease and let's rest. So on the seventh day, God stopped. He ceased his work and he rested. We understand that just because you cease 
doesn't necessarily mean you rest. Like we all understand what it means to not work anymore, but also to not actually get any rest. Uh, they are they're similar, but they are not necessarily the same thing. One author describes it this way. He said, to rest is to give up on worrying and fretting and the sense that there is something wrong with the world unless we put it right. So we cease from work and then we're invited to rest. And to rest means that we are no longer worrying or stressing out about the fact that there's something that's not done yet and I need to do it. It's this idea, as this author said, David White, he said, it's a sense that there's something wrong with the world unless we put it right. So Sabbath, to Sabbath is to cease and to rest. God delighted in what he had done, and we're invited to do that same thing. We can all get behind this idea, right? This should be the easiest concept in scripture. Uh, A day off, to cease, to rest, to not work, I'm in, sign me up. Except not. We are terrible at this. Um, we really struggle with this idea. I saw some numbers over the last couple of weeks as I've been preparing for this. Uh, these are all really depressing numbers to me. 37% of Americans, almost 40%, take less than seven days of vacation a year. 768 million vacation days went unused in 2018. That's crazy. I told my wife, and she was like, um, is there like a sharing program where they could like, tra- like frequent flyer miles, like you transfer them to somebody else? 22% of people, one in four people, say that they would rather work than go on vacation. One in four people said they would rather work than go on vacation. And when those uh, people were asked, 22% of people, they said uh, half of them said that they would prefer to work And the other half said that they just had too much work to do to be able to take time off. One in four people, 20% of people said that they felt guilt when they took time off. 20% of people said that they do work on their time off. Uh, And 81% of all employees check their work email outside of work hours, Uh, which is crazy. We are, you know, we would would think this idea of like resting and and stopping working and, and time off, we all want it. We all want to have that. But at the same time, we refuse to take it. In our minds, and our hearts, there's something in us that is driving us to continue. Our value as people seems to be increasingly kind of quantified by our productivity and what we're able to achieve. We all long for control in our lives. And the reality is, is that most of us, we feel like we gain control when we... Uh, can control the effort and the time that we put into work. Sabbath, to cease, to rest. This idea of the Sabbath, this is so important. Sabbath fights, it battles against our desire for control. To cease working and to rest, it fights against this desire that we have to be in control of our own lives, to be Lord over our own lives. To cease working and to actually rest is actually like a a form of resistance against a broken way of being in the world. It's a form of, of fighting back, of saying, no, my value is not in what I produce. It's not in how much I can get done. My value is in something different. This is why God formalized this natural rhythm. It was part of the creation process, the seventh day. And then years later, when God gives the Ten Commandments, he formalized the Sabbath and and he made it the fourth commandment. 
It's interesting, a lot of uh, rabbis and teachers talk about this idea. The first four commandments are all about ways that we sin against God. And the next six are about ways that we sin against other people. And so literally, keep the Sabbath day holy is the fourth commandment. And if we don't do it, it's a way of fighting back against God and saying, no, I know a better way. I know who's really important. I know how much work I really need to do, what I really need to get done. When we keep the Sabbath, when we observe Sabbath, cease, rest, we acknowledge the sovereignty of God, that he is in control. But when we refuse to keep it, it's to live as though we are our own provider. Now, it's probably a crazy idea for me to stand up here and be like, okay, guys, so one, one day a week for 24 hours, we're going to stop all work and we're going to just rest. And I already told you how busy we all are and how bad we all are at this. And so it feels like a crazy thing. And you may be wondering, like, wait, so am I supposed to now just start clearing my schedule for 24 hours every week? And the answer is yes, kind of. Uh, there's obviously always nuance in this. And so there's kind of two things I want to talk about to help us understand what this looks like in our own lives. The first thing is that the Sabbath is more than a day, but it is not less than a day. I know it's a, a little bit of a weird phrase. It's, it's more than a day, but it's not less than a day. So what do I mean by that? So as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we believe that every law, every sacrifice, every, every kind of celebration or festival that was instituted uh, to God's children, it was all fulfilled in Jesus. This is what we believe to be true. It was all pointed to and it fulf was fulfilled in Jesus, including this, this Sabbath idea. So picture with me, if you will, Adam is created on what day? Day number six. I'm sure everybody got it right online. Everybody was timid here in person. Day six, Adam is created. And Adam is created and God gives him responsibilities to name the animals and to care for and to, to tend in the garden, all these different things. And so you can kind of picture this, you know, sixth day, God creates Adam and, and Adam like figures out what he's supposed to do. And he's like, all right, sh so should we get started? And this is not scripture. This is just my kind of filling in the white spaces. And God's like, no, it's the end of the day. It's time to sleep. And so Adam goes to sleep and wakes up the next day, his first full day on earth. He's all right, God, is it time to get started? Is it time for me to do my job? Is it time for me to, to get to work? And the seventh day for God is Adam's first day. Adam's first full day was a day spent resting, spent delighting, spent recognizing that God had already done so much work. And Adam begins his first full day, this sense of understanding the best thing that I can do is to just wonder at what God has done, to be amazed, to be delighted in this reality, to rest with God, to rest in the provision of his heavenly father. So religion and even our culture, it tells us that we, are, we need to do and work and achieve and produce, that, that we have to earn love and we have to earn value and, and earn acceptance. And Jesus in his life and on the cross ultimately says is I've already done it all. I've already done all of the work. You don't have to do anything to get this, to be loved, to be accepted. It is complete. And we're invited to rest in that. Hebrews chapter four literally says that Jesus 
is our Sabbath rest. So the idea of Sabbath is meant to invade every aspect of our lives because we should recognize the, the way that God provides for us and the work that God has done in our lives. So it's, it's more than a day. It's not meant to just be 24 hours in a row where we don't work and we rest. It's meant to be this understanding that, that we are uh, loved and valued and there is this sense of deep um, importance that each of us have. So the Sabbath is meant to be more than just a 24-hour period. It's more than a day. It's a way of living fully dependent on and trusting God. It's more than a day, but it's also not meant to be less than a day. I know that, like I said, there's this challenge with this idea of carving out an entire day. And so it's important for us to remember that the Sabbath is meant to be a gift, not a burden. The Sabbath isn't meant to be some regulation, some rule that we just check off and we move on in our lives. It's meant to be a gift. And as the same way with many other spiritual disciplines, spiritual habits, uh, we don't necessarily just get it right the whole way the first time. There's a practice. There's a learning how to do this. There's a process of growing in this way. It didn't take long for people to turn the Sabbath commandment into an oppressive law. Even in Jesus's day, he had religious leaders tell him that he was doing it wrong. People would come up and the Pharisees would say, hey, you're working on the Sabbath. You're doing things on the Sabbath and you're doing it wrong. Is what they said to Jesus, who I would imagine had a fairly decent understanding of the intention of the Sabbath. And Jesus responded to them in Mark 2, verse 27. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. There's this reality that the cease to rest, to, to take a break, it was meant as a gift for man. It wasn't meant as this law or this kind of oppressive idea that man was supposed to figure out how do I honor this thing. It was meant to be a gift. People become so obsessed with the rules and the regulations and the checkboxes in so many areas of our faith and our spirituality. And in this instance, they forgot that the purpose of the Sabbath in the very first place was to cease our work, to rest, and to be present, to delight in what God had done. So the Sabbath is meant to be a gift for us. It's a reminder that our value doesn't come from our work. It is a free and unearned gift because of God's goodness to us. We have to be reminded of this over and over again. And honestly, we haven't really talked about this very much. I've spent time talking about balance and I've spent time talking about busy seasons and the importance of rest and, and different types of experiences. But there is this gift that God has offered us and is still offering us this gift of ceasing and resting and delighting in what he has done. And some of us refuse to take it, let alone unwrap it and enjoy it. So it's meant to be, it's more than a day, but it's also not less than a day. It, it's supposed to invade every aspect of our lives. And at the same time, we are practically supposed to work towards, actually work towards, that's a funny way to say it, work towards resting. We'll get there in a minute. But we're supposed to move towards being able to do this. The reality is that you and I were made to work. I am sorry. That is the way that it was even before the fall, before sin, God created us and work was a part of what we were called to do. Creation in itself was an aspect of work. And so we were created to work. This isn't something that happened because of sin and we should be able to 
excel at work. We should work hard. But what was originally a blessing, it became a burden in our lives. We were created to work and we were made to rest, which is the part that we all really love. We're really excited about. Researchers, I was reading this article last week, researchers have started to use this term time confetti. Um, and I don't know if you guys can imagine uh, in your, I almost brought like a confetti cannon, but I just didn't know if it would be too messy or not. But imagine confetti uh, and the way that confetti just like scatters everywhere. And it's almost impossible to try and catch a piece of confetti because of the way it like flutters as it falls down and it's everywhere and it's overwhelming. And, and so they've started to use this term time confetti. It's this reality that both our leisure time our time off and our work time are fragmented with little bits of multitasking. When we're working, we're also multitasking. And when we're off with our families, with our friends, we're also multitasking. It's sometimes just seconds or minutes they have found, which doesn't seem bad, but collectively it adds up to something much more problematic. It taxes us cognitively, mentally, and it makes it hard for our time off to relieve stress or to make us happy. Time confetti makes us less productive at work and we also enjoy our free time less, which is why we all feel like our grandparents had it easier. Why we feel like our grandparents had less to do is because they didn't have this in their pocket, which is all of their friends and all of their work and all of the rest of what's happening in the entire world in our pockets constantly. It is so hard for us to be focused and fully present. It's hard for us to rest. I think that many of us would recognize we live in a rest deficit. We, we are missing out on rest. The question, you don't have to answer, but on your day off, how rested do you feel? After a day off, how rested do you feel? How do you feel like your Saturday is working for you these days? Or do you feel like it's work? When you binge watch three hours of TV, not me, other people, which I do because I'm tired and I just want to break. And so let me just watch this show. It's so good. How often do you finish three hours of a TV show or whatever it might be? And, and you get up from the sofa and you're like, man, I feel rested. When we are uh, doing what people are now calling doom scrolling on social media, which is just continuing, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. You just scroll and scroll and kind of work yourself farther and farther into this pit. Most of us don't actually rest on our day off. There's a rest deficit. And there's these seven areas that we all need to rest. And it's actually important. And I think we're going to have these on the screen. It's important for us to be aware of these things because a lot of times we just assume that it means not at work, but there's actually different aspects of rest. There's physical rest, which I get plenty of. <laughs> uh, mental rest also, not a problem. No, I'm just kidding. Physical rest, mental rest, social rest, creative rest, emotional rest, spiritual rest, and sensory rest, which is the one that really cuts deep for most of us. We are, we are designed and we are created in a way that we need to be able to rest in all seven of these ways. And so as we look at this list, physical, mental, social, creative, emotional, spiritual, and sensory, what ways do you need to cease and to rest? Some of us are, are extroverts, and if we could have it our way, we would have something going on every single night 
point and you need to cease and rest socially. Some of us are creatives and we find ourselves just constantly focusing on this thing that we are making. And even if it's something that we enjoy, we need to cease and we need to rest. So each one of these areas we need to cease and rest from. And also there's times that we need to rest by doing these things. What does it mean to to rest emotionally, to rest creatively, uh, to have these experiences? And what is restful for one person may not be for another which is awesome when you're married and your wife, theoretically, wants to rest by riding bikes and being outside constantly and you want to rest by sitting on the sofa drinking LaCroix. Um, What's restful for one person isn't always restful for everybody else. So we have to think through, what does it look like for me to rest, not just to take a day off of work, not just to not go into the office on a Saturday, not to have the time confetti reality, but to rest physically, mentally, socially, creatively, emotionally, spiritually, and with our senses, sensory rest. So maybe it looks like practically speaking, and and it, it feels silly to list some of these things, but I really think that many of us just don't even know where to start. So maybe for you, you need to get outside and, and hike, spend the day at the beach. Some of you are in need of spending some time gardening And there's something beautiful and restful about that. Painting, finding a new hobby, playing or listening to music, um, going out, playing wiffle ball, throwing a football, driving up the coast, spending time with close friends, enjoying an incredible meal, save the best meal of the week to have on this day that you are meant to cease and rest and just delight in these these things that are so good, these gifts of what God has given us. We've got to figure out how do I how do I intentionally do this? How do I intentionally rest? The key is to cease from our work and our output and to rest and delight in the goodness that God has put around us. The reality is that it takes work to rest. It's hard to rest. It takes effort to rest, which feels like it doesn't make any sense. But we have to plan for it. We have to be intentional about it. Sometimes we have to do things to get ready for it. Hebrews chapter 4, when it's talking about this idea that Jesus is ultimately our, our, the fullest sense of our Sabbath rest, it goes on and it says, let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest. Every effort. There's, there's some sort of planning and intentionality that happens. You're not just accidentally going to be rested. You may accidentally be lazy. You may accidentally watch seven hours of TV. You may accidentally clean your house on a day off. But that is that rest. There's an intentionality that we have to plan to do this. Prepare, get things in order so that you can cease and rest. Most of us have the gift of having two days off a week. Some people I know, you work six days a week. And some, there's different schedules. Some people have multiple jobs. But most of us get two days off a week. So what would it look like for you to use one of those days to do all of that work that you don't get paid to do, the stuff around the house, the stuff you need to get done, and that way you can actually rest on another day. You have to plan and prepare to rest, to cease. 
One of the things that um, Ez does that is always so stressful and it drives me bonkers every single time. Before we go on a trip, back when we used to go on trips and things like that, uh, she would deep clean the house the day we left for the trip. Which when you're trying to load a car with luggage and everything and get the kids out the door, to also clean the house feels like just the worst thing that you could do at that moment. But the reality is, is that when we got back from a trip and we showed up to a clean house, it was this amazing gift. And that's a weird example of what does it mean to to put in the work you need to be able to rest, to do something in advance that is hard and we're going to plan, we're going to prepare, we're going to spend if we have to, whatever it is, so that we can then rest. We have to be intentional if we want to experience rest. So what if we started, and this is kind of something I've been thinking around uh, about, um, and we do this sometimes with our uh, work lives, but what if we started to think about time differently? What if we started to think about time intentionally? What if we started to think about time as a commodity? In fact, it's our most precious commodity, some would say, because we don't get any more. There is a new day, there's a new week, but we're not being able to create more time. Psalm 90 says, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. There's this reality for us that we're, we're called to, to be aware that our days have a certain number to them. Our time has a certain number to it. And when I'm aware of that, it gives me wisdom in how I want to use it. We plan out our groceries. We budget our money. We plan for work projects. Why aren't we more intentional with the way that we use our time during the week? I think this is something that we practically have to do if we ever want to cease and rest. We have to work, put in the effort to be aware of how we're using our time. I was toying around with this idea. I think we have a couple screens here. The first one is a financial budget. We, most people have one of these, whether you stick to it or not, that's a different thing. Uh, but we understand the idea of a financial budget. You know, you make X amount of dollars, uh, half of that goes to rent, you know, a percentage of this goes to Netflix, because obviously, uh, you know, we, we figure this out. We, we budget it out so that we know what we have, what we're working with, and so that the things that are most important to us, they get what they need to get. But what if we actually started to think about this with our time? What if we looked at our time like in a week, a seven-day window? You've got seven days, and, and how do you want to budget that time? How many nights out from your house do you want to have? Do you want to be out two nights a week? Do you want to be out three nights a week? Uh, how much time, how many days a week do you want to actually work late? You want to set a limit, like, okay, I can do this once a week. I'll work late once a week only. For some of you guys, that seems like an impossible idea. But what does it look like for us to say, okay, I'm going to, once a week, I'm going to do this. How many meals do you want to have with your roommates or with your family uh, all together at a table a week? You want to say, okay, two times a week, three times a week. What does it look like for you to say, here's what's important. I've only got seven nights in a week. So how am I going to spend it? I've only got seven days in this week. How do I want to spend it? What if we started to consider this with our weeks? What if we considered this with our days? We've got 24 hours in every day. The average American sleeps 6.7 hours a night, FYI. Some of you guys are like, that would be fantastic, 6.7 hours. Uh, but that's the average amount of sleep each person gets. We work about eight hours a day. Um, so all, those, all of a sudden, you're, you're already gone through about a th you know, two-thirds of your day between sleep and work. So what are you going to do with the rest of your time? 
how do you want to spend it? If you have kids, how much time do you want to give with your kids? You want to spend 15 minutes with your kids uninterrupted? It doesn't feel like very much. But the reality is most of us spend 15 minutes interrupted with our kids. The time confetti. You want to spend 30 minutes with your kids? Can you imagine what 30 minutes of uninterrupted time with your spouse, with your roommate, with your kids? You, can you imagine what that would feel like, what that would do? We don't do that right now. That's not a reality for us. So how do we, how do we budget our time? How do, we, how do we plan this way? Maybe 24 hours is too big of a chunk of time to start. I get that. Um, but I bet most of us could benefit from 12 hours of ceasing and resting. I bet most of us could benefit from six hours of ceasing and resting. Most of us probably do this so little each week that if we carved out and put in the effort to find any time to cease, to rest, to delight, to be aware that the world will continue spinning even if I don't get something done, it would be such a gift. There's always going to be more work to do. The part of our responsibility, part of being mature, part of being healthy is choosing what is the right work to do and ultimately, when do I need to cease, to stop, to rest, to delight? There's a quote by this author named Wayne Mueller. Um, it's a little bit of a longer quote, and uh, I think it's um, so impactful to this idea. So I, I want to invite you guys, if you're here in person, you can close your eyes. If you guys are watching online, I would invite you to close your eyes just so you can hear these words. He says, we meet dozens of people. We have so many conversations. We don't feel how much energy we spend on each activity because we imagine we will always have more energy at our disposal. This one little conversation, this one extra phone call, this one quick meeting, what can it cost? But it does cost. It drains another drop of our life. And then at the end of days and weeks and months, years, we collapse and we burn out. We cannot see where it happened because it happened in a thousand unconscious events, tasks, and responsibilities that seemed easy and harmless on the surface, but that each one after the other used a small portion of our precious life. And so we are given a commandment, which is actually a gift to remember the Sabbath. That's the invitation for us today, is to recognize that we all are tired, that we all feel like we are overfull and overscheduled and overly busy, and there is a natural rhythm that God has built in for every one of us as humans, physiologically, mentally, to need rest. And there's a spiritual invitation for those of us that are Christians to recognize the way that that permeates our whole lives and that part of resting and part of ceasing is actually a way that we get to honor God and say, God, I trust that you will continue to provide. I trust that you will continue to give me what I need, that, that somehow if I work six days, I will get seven days back, 
that somehow when I, when I say, God, I, I trust that you ultimately are the one that is making the world spin, that it's not me, that you ultimately are the one that is able to give the truest sense of rest and value and worth, that it's not anything that I can produce on my own. For those of us that are Christians, we have an invitation, we have a responsibility, and even a command to do this so that we don't get things twisted and misunderstand who is in control of our lives. We are given a commandment, which is actually a gift to remember the Sabbath. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.